This is Jessica. And this is Kelly. And this is the Chasing Brighter podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Chasing Brighter podcast. This episode, we are going to be talking about our latest book club book, which is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. This is an intimate memoir of Glennon Doyle, and um, it definitely served as a wake-up call for many of us and found the book to be power-packed and filled with lots of inspirational, thought-provoking content and stories. So Jess, this is a book we've been waiting quite a while to talk about. I think it was, it's really important that we have this as a book club because I think we're constantly referencing it. Yeah, I think it came out during a time and we read it during a time when we were really um, starting our own self-discovery journeys. And so it was a very timely book in that whether it started the catalyst for it or we were already starting down that path, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. And I, and um, you know, Glennon has written other books and she mm-hmm. is a thought leader, an author, an activist. And we, I think, could talk and talk endlessly about it. So I know we kind of wanted to focus on um, kind of just exploring um, a few questions today to give everybody a little bit of a taste of the book and um, our impressions and our own experiences in our lives that are um, aligned with Glennon's. Um, and then hopefully encourage you to read it and to explore how you yourself um, can begin your own journey and your own untaming. Kelly, what question do you have first? Abby tells Glennon's parents about her wish to marry their daughter. And Glennon's mother says, I have not seen my daughter this alive since she was 10 years old. This prompted Glennon to ask, where did my spark go at 10 and how had I lost myself? She soon recognizes that age 10, she began to let go of her true self to be a quote unquote good girl that society expected her to be. And she writes, I was wild until I was tamed by shame. How would you describe yourself as a young child? Does a particular age in your childhood stand out as a pivotal turning point for you? Yeah, I think that was for me. Oh, you're right. Like there's so much information in this book and, it, and it's like, oh, this brings me back to reading it. Oh, this was so big to me. I was a wild child. I was outspoken. I did worry about in trouble a lot. Thought. Yeah, yes. I got in trouble a lot. And, um, and then you're like, and then I'm like in suburbia, an ad home mom. Right. And it's yep. like, then you're like doing all the things like son in my um, oldest to Catholic school and like trying to like pretend I'm someone I'm not. And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like what, you know, I, I don't know if there is a particular turning point. And for me, it was definitely not, thank goodness, but it wasn't childhood. Like I stayed wild through high school. Um, and so for me, it was probably like joining the world and adulting where I was, um, We've, we've talked about these moments where, where, you know, like I was talked to, you know, like a, a man talked to me in a shameful way, or like, I was definitely given the vibe of like, shut up, get in line and get in your place. So just a lot of experiences of, um, was such an advocate and fighting for things in high school. And I think then when you're older, it goes on deaf ears. And I guess I kind of just gave up and just got in line. I think there's not 
there's a couple moments in my life that maybe were pivotal. I don't know about what it was when I was very young. I do remember that I was always a relatively reserved. I feel like I was a reserved kid. I felt like I was at a very young age trying to comply and adapt and fit in. You know, we moved around a lot as kids and you were you were always your authentic self from day one. And, you know, I'm a little more reserved where I kind of like got the lay of the land and then took a while to like find my true self. And I think what also kind of sucked is that when I did do that, I felt like those are the times we ended up having to move and I had to start all over again. So maybe that's part of my own being tamed was, you know, just not really ever being able to like be my true self for a long period of time. Or would you say like trusting yourself to be vulnerable? Like it took yeah, a lot for you. Good to point. Be That's the thank you, Brene. Um, <laughs> that was exactly what it is. And so I don't, I'm trying to think of like other childhood times. I was just a relatively quiet, quiet kid. I think as to your point, as you get older and older, there are small little things that that tame you, if you will. What I think is interesting is like even looking at it now, I was talking with a friend about this where she was reading um, her old old letters um, from college even like to her parents. Um, we were just talking about writing letters because our kids were at sleepaway camp and we were writing letters back and forth to our kids. And so she like dug up some letters and she was like, you know, just reading who you were, you know, reading who I was in high school through like a diary or those letters, you see a different person that is just, there's more spark, you know, yeah. there was more, there's, but there's less responsibility, yeah. you know, that was part of it. I think feeling a sense of responsibility for even being a big sister, like a sense of responsibility for you maybe contributed to it. Yeah. Well, I think too, Chaba, it's like, there's nothing to lose. So like, I would have totally quit a job. When I was young, like, oh my God, they disrespected me. I'm out of here, you know? And then you have bills and responsibilities. And then you're like, oh, I can't just say whatever I want whenever I want because I have so much writing on this, right? And I need, I need this. Um, and I think too, a lot of the taming that Glennon talks about in the book is just like what a girl should do and shouldn't do. We went to Catholic school, right? And um, there were things we should do and things we shouldn't do and things we were supposed to be doing and just all of that, um, caging and taming about gender roles. And then you kind of start assuming those roles. And I also think too, I don't know, we live in a cancel culture. I, I really want to live my authentic life, but also it's like, man, if you say the wrong thing now, it's like scary to be authentic, um, when it's like, oh, I, I hope I don't do or say the wrong thing because I don't want to make anybody upset. It's hard um, to choose your words wisely. I mean, yeah. there are people who are off their rocker and just say inappropriate things, but okay. there are others who, you know, their intentions come from a place of love and kindness yeah. and their words still get twisted around or misinterpreted, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. And then we look at kind of pleasing, right? Which is what we're kind of transitioning into is like, we be, you become like a people pleaser, um, and kind of looking at one of the, the questions I had, you know, Glennon, Glennon wrote, you know, we forgot how to know when we learned how to please, you know, does this feel true to you? Do you ever find yourself ignoring your own instincts in favor of pleasing others? And she says, 
When a woman finally learns that pleasing the world is impossible, she becomes free to learn how to please herself. So do you look back on like when you started ignoring your instincts to please others? And then do you know now it's impossible to do that? And do you know how to please yourself? I'm a people pleaser and I have a hard time with not pleasing people. I, I think I struggle with people pleasing all the time because you can't please everyone, but I'm trying to, and that definitely eats my soul. So this is definitely probably one of the core of like the work I've had to do myself, which is, um, you know, what is, so that's the thing is like, go, it's kind of like happiness. Cause I think pleasure is part of that, like happiness piece, putting, putting yourself in, in front of others is a, for some people it's natural, but for, I think as you move even more into motherhood or as you get more into life with responsibilities, it gets really murky and it's difficult to decipher, you know, like what is, I don't know. I would have to think about like, oh wait, let me pause right here. Like, what is it that I really want to do? That's putting myself in front of others or what is it something I need to do? Um, so it's hard to make those decisions. I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. And, and I think like, I think for me too, I know that's kind of the same thing, but like, I want to make everyone happy and I feel like I'm responsible for everyone's emotions. And so then I exhaust myself and then become resentful that no one's like pleasing me or asking me what I need. And so that's such, so, so much of the work that I've had to do as well was like setting boundaries and realizing like, there may or may not be people in my life who are like, oh, well, Jessica, what do you want and what will make you happy? And so I have to do that. I know we talk a lot about meditation, but like tapping into yourself and your knowing makes that easier for you to be more instinctual yeah. and not have to stop and think about it. But you're like, no, I know what I need and I know what makes me happy. And, um, you know, being able to please myself is, 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 is like, I think the journey we talk about so much that we've been looking on, like what makes us happy, what brings us joy, and how can we incorporate that into our lives and how can that feel intuitive and not wrong? Because I do think the message I got being a woman was like, my job was to please a man and to make a man feel better. And so it's, that's not who I want to be. Um, I also think it's so interesting that Glennon writes that while choosing joy makes it easier for me to love myself and my life, it seems to make it harder for the world to love me. Um, and she says, proclaim women are entitled to take the rightful place. It's interesting. I, like while choosing joy makes it easier for me to love myself, it seems to make it harder for the world to love me. Mm -hmm. I definitely like feel that like judgment and shame and guilt when you do something for yourself, that, that word selfish. And, and it is funny. Why do we think it's often easier to like a woman when she's struggling and admits that she's a mess, but just like it, it, it messes with us or just, you know, discomfited by seeing a woman thrive. I don't know if me as a person doesn't like to see women thriving. Um, I think misery loves company, sadly. So there's that piece. This I think not from someone I would know, but if I saw Susie and she like looked beautiful and had her shit together and had a great job and the kids were all fed and they're all doing great. And I saw them, I would be like, oh, we're not going to be friends. She's so perfect. Look at her. Um, and then if I see someone who's like late to school, 
giving her kids Cheetos for lunch, I'll be like, oh, okay. That's relatable to me. So I don't know if that's the same thing or not. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it kind of is, I think there's something to that, but it's the narrative we build about another, another person that we don't even know too. Oh, for sure. Right? Like nobody, nothing's perfect. And comparison is the thief of joy, but I do think it is interesting. Like we've talked, you know, like that culture of being bossy, right. Or being a bitch or like you, you definitely work more in a man's world than I do. There's something there for me about like when a woman is assertive and takes control, there's definitely a connotation versus, you know, when a man does that. Yeah, I think so. Um, for me on a daily basis, I choose to interact and work with people who I feel it's very equivalent. And I've chosen client companies that are that way because I don't like that at all. Granted, you know, helping at my kid's school with his, which is a Catholic school run by the Catholic church was dominated by men, totally different story. And I'm constantly needing to remind myself that I am considered a second-class citizen and I forget about that. So the idea of going into a meeting with two men from the church and myself is not something that I should be doing ever and making sure that I have an ally with me who's a man. Like we've even just some of the activities I've been involved in where we realize we need to designate a male person on our team to have the descript the discussions that are needed because the women just don't get the respect. And just sad to, to kind of, say that. I mean, yeah. I mean, what I hear you saying, right, is that it's like you personally put yourself in a work situation and in your personal life and where there's equality. And then yeah. you sometimes forget that's not how it is everywhere. And then you're like, oh, damn, I need to have, like, I'm not going to be respected. And so I need to have a male with me in this situation because- yeah this is not, this is not the, you know, egalitarian stuff. I and I think the I guys know that too. Like, that's the thing is like the, everybody who I work with, we know, we know the game we need to play sometimes. And everyone just kind of knows that that's what has to be done. And it's not even, there's no shame in it being like, Hey, I think a guy needs to talk to him, you know, kind of thing. Um, just because that's how it is. It's unfortunate, but it's also the way you get things done. So that ties back to your first question for me when it's like, when did you like lose your spark? Gosh, my journey with Catholicism, Kel, it's like, I wanted to be the change, right? And I wanted to fight the good fight and I just gave up. I just gave up. I could no longer be involved in a religion where I was a second class citizen, where there was a glass ceiling, where I wasn't treated with respect. And I think for a very long time, I was trying to fight and be an advocate and make change. Um, and I gave up, you know, right or wrong. You know, we, we want to be the change, but not if we lose ourselves, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Very true. Very true. You know, Glennon, you talked about it too, Jess. And one of the things that I really took away from the book is the the dis description of the knowing, the notion of the knowing. And I really liked her point of view on that. You know, she talks about God and religion throughout the book. She says, to me, faith is not a public allegiance to a set of outer beliefs, but a private surrender to the inner knowing. What do you think, or what do we think even about her viewpoint on God and religion in that way? That like, 
blew my mind. So in the book, she talked about like kind of like a traditional view of God outside of her, but she was talking about taking time for her knowing. And when she'd make a decision, she would sit with it and decide. And then she had this part in the book that was like, what if God is in me and the knowing is God? And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, Ooh, no one had like ever brought anything up like that to me. And like, you know, to take God out of it, just tapping into yourself and getting back to, you know, that was so easy for me as a, as a child to know what I wanted. And so getting back to like, what do I want? Like you've said, you said in, in your blog post on our journey of self-discovery, like, am I happy? Right. We're asking these questions and it's like, we're just going and doing these things. And is this even what we want to do? And so it's like, tap into your knowing, tap into yourself. And, and then you'll know what's best for you. So I, I don't know, that was just mind blowing. And I'm, I'm still wrapping my brain around that. And I, I love that. And that has really helped me understand th- some things in my own spiritual practice. So, yeah, I think a couple of things. One is in Christianity, the notion of the Holy Spirit to me and like this spirit, um, God guiding you and being there for you. How is that not the knowing? How is your, your gut following your gut? You know, there's all these analogies, whether you look in religion or just, you know, Western culture, whatever it is that all kind of even the universe, right? The universe, you're putting something out of the universe, fate, you know, all these things where there's this sort of like pull of some sort to bring you to some sort of a point of view or a feeling. And so I guess I feel like all that is very related to the knowing. And so, you know, maybe people need God and church to help them. Like if you're sitting there and you're saying a prayer and you're like, God, help me please get through this difficult time. I need to know like how to do this. In Glennon's world, the knowing tells you how to get through that. The knowing is there for you, right? And so I do think that that's where it does become a very, you know, for me, the idea of spirituality is very personal and private. It's just how you as an individual exist and support yourself. Yeah. I think I love that. Right. So it's like, if you're sitting and waiting for this outside source to tell you what to do, but it's in you. Yeah. And so it's there and and you know what to do. It's like, you don't need to go to church and pray on your knees. Well, some people might need to, right? right. But sitting with yourself and thinking about, you know, reflecting on a certain situation and just working through that. You know, maybe some people need to feel like they have, you know, that's where the know we we say the knowing will help you, but maybe they feel like they need to have God there. But it God is the knowing, I think. That was what I agree. I think that was what I took away from the book that I absolutely loved is this concept of the knowing because even to what you're saying, you have everything you need to thrive in the world. You have everything you need to be happy. It's within you. It is all of your tools were given to you the day that you were born. And it's a matter of channeling and tapping into all of that power and all of that resource. You know, I think that's why working with, you know, us working with Janet and doing um, the meditation and a lot of her like Reiki meditations and things that she says, it's just fascinating because it is all pulling in a lot of ways, you're visualizing the power within you. You know, Glennon says to live a life of her own, each woman must answer 
What do I love? What makes me come alive? What is beauty to me? And how do I take time to fill up with it? You know, what do you know what you love or are you prioritizing the those in your life? Like what makes you come alive or what fills you up? Do you think you're tapped into that? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's a constant effort of, you know, being in the present and being very mindful about that. It's also, I think there's finding love in, in everyday life. You know, if somebody said, this goes back to even our personality tests too, but it was like, what do you love? I love to travel. I love to hike. I love to read books. I love to, you know, and it's like, I don't love to clean and empty the dishwasher and fold laundry. It's finding ways to fill your cup and finding ways to find simple joys in life. I do find joy in completing tasks. So it's sort of like, maybe you have to kind of think through that because I think when it says it that way, it's like, what do I love? It's like, well, I know what I don't love, but that shouldn't be, it's not always wonderful, fun things right? Yeah. Like that. It's just as important on your journey to know what you don't like, what you don't want. That's just as important as knowing what you do want. Right. Like, I think that that's, that's a process. And also with the taming, like I've been doing that. I don't like doing that. Why was I doing that? Because I should do it. The question, what makes you come alive? Like, have you ever been in a conversation with a person and you ask, I I remember I had um, my kid's principal who I'm glad she's gone, but I remember talking to her one day and I was like, what is it that may you get into education? And she lit up immediately and went on this whole tirade about how she wants kids to love school, even though she's the most boring person in the world. But um, I couldn't believe that like, you can ask somebody a simple question like that and you can just, what that made her come alive there there's something there that she's very passionate about um thinking about like what does make you come alive you know um being outside or you know i i think the other part for me is that i do a lot of things i love and i do do things that make me come alive and i realize that not a lot of people do that enough of it I do it more than I should. Maybe that's my problem sometimes. Well, we get in a rut or like you get in this, I think you get in a rut and you, you think you don't have time or you're tired or you don't have the money or, um, and I think, well, that's where I think it can be very simple, like little things we're getting back into, you know, I'm doing a puzzle. I love me. I love puzzles. You know, I like doing, we're, we're all doing the wordle every day. Yeah. That's I like fun. doing I wordle. I like doing word searches. Um, those are things that don't cost any money. Meditation doesn't yes, cost any money. Yes, simple things, you know? yeah. But yeah. I, on the other hand, you get, I think particularly as a parent, I just been talking about this. My husband, Justin, and I have been going out a lot more recently. And I'm like, this is fun. Why haven't we been going out? You know, well, obviously there's been a global pandemic. And so I think that impacted it, you know? Um, and then uh, now our oldest is 14. So we have a babysitter. So it was like pre-pandemic, we weren't going out a lot because- would cost money to go out because you need a babysitter. And then, you know, we were all home forever. And, um, and so it's like, oh yeah, like we love this. I love trying different cocktails. I love going to different restaurants. I love having new experiences. And I live in Las Vegas. Are you kidding? There's yeah. amazing things that we could be doing that it's like, you just get in a rut and you just go to bed and it's like, I know I'm obsessed with sleep, but like, uh, 
a couple of times a month, you can stay up late. But it's a conscious effort. And that's the thing, um, because I do find it's a slippery slope when you stop doing things, you know, like I had a great routine of a lot of things I was doing. And then I got really busy with life and I, I wasn't doing a lot of things that I enjoyed. I, they always lose immediately. They get knocked off the list when like obligations come into play. And I think that's okay sometimes, but you need to bring them back and it's easy to get out of it. Um, I agree, Jess. I think once you start, you fall out of that routine, you have to make a, a deliberate effort to get back into it. And knowing like, once I start this, once we start going out again, I know it's going to be a fun thing and I know I'm going to have it, but like putting that as like putting that out there, it sounds weird to describe it, but I get what you're saying. No, I, yeah, I think, no, for sure. I think we get in a rut. I think um, Justin and I have always been aligned with being the best parents we can and of creating this like magical childhood for our children. And we easily put ourselves last. And I think for years, he and I both, we didn't have another person saying, you should go out, you should go do this, you should go do that. It was like, we were just like with the kids all the time and kind of like built resentment toward one another. And it just took one of us to like get healthy, right? It took one of us to do work. And it's like, you should go to the gym. What are you doing for yourself? Or like, how come you're going and doing this and I'm not doing that? And it's like, well, what do you need to make yourself happy? So by one of us going on a journey and doing little things to make us happy, it started those conversations of like, why aren't we doing this? Like we never had the conversations of like, what do you need? Well, what do you need to make yourself happy? And what makes me happy? You know, like it's, we, that wasn't natural for us. That was our taming and our caging of like what parents should be. We're trying to make different choices than our parents and make a different childhood for our children. And then we lost ourselves in that. And I think, you know, it went, once that sparked, um, it's nice to have an accountability partner, whether that's, that's a spouse, a partner, a roommate, a friend of like, what do you need to be happy? What does that look like for you? And trying to figure that out and troubleshoot. And sometimes resources are limited and that's, it's hard to figure out, but you can do it because if you make it a priority, you will make it happen if it's important to you. Anything else you want to say about this delightful yeah, book? I, just, I, think, I think, yeah, go ahead. What I was just going to say is, you know, it's, it's about learning to trust ourselves enough, right? Making peace with ourselves honoring ourselves, unleashing our truest self and our instincts and become, you know, women who can see ourselves, right? And, and know that we're living our true self. It's a tall order. Yeah, it's hard. Well, I think it's, I, I think it's tough. You know, the book is Glennon's Untaming. And by reading about someone who's peeling back the layers of, of society putting her in a cage. It has you question, you know, am I, why am I doing that? That sounds familiar. I'm not happy either. Oh, that's a great point. Look at how she addressed that. And it really just gets you critically thinking about your life and about reevaluating whether there can be some changes so you can tap back into your authentic self. Yeah, 100%. It's a great book. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. Don't forget, if you haven't read it already, definitely grab a copy of Untamed. You can get more information on our bookshelf on chasingbrighter.com. Thanks for listening and joining us today. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Chasing Brighter or on our blog, chasingbrighter.com.